continue this morning with the third part of this message on what the church should be doing. And I want to read to you just from the, the Gospel of Matthew, the 20th chapter, and pick up in verse 25. This is after the disciples become indignant about uh, two of the disciples trying to promote themselves. And Jesus says this in verse 25. Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then listen to this now. He says, For the just as the son just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we've been looking at the fact that Jesus came to, and he, the Holy Spirit and Jesus highlighted in Scripture the things that were important to him, to the Holy Spirit, and they highlighted them in Scripture. Now, remembering this, that John tells us in his last chapter of his Gospel that Jesus did so many other works that the, that. If the, all the libraries in the world could not contain them if they were all written. So Jesus did a lot of other things. And, uh, but, but the Holy Spirit highlights those things and records them in the Word of God for time and eternity. Those things which were the most important aspects of what, the, what Jesus was, came to do. And Jesus said we, the church, should be doing what he, said he did. He set us an example, etc. So we've already covered that Jesus came, first of all, to show us the Father. Secondly, that he came to set us an example. He came, thirdly, to, to seek the lost. Fourthly, he came to save the lost. He then came also to set us free from all those things that I discussed in the last session. And he then came also to satisfy. And these are the things the church should be involved in, that in our to the whole church, the local church, if all these expressions that I'm talking about are found in the local church, there will be a place for every ministry that God raises up amongst people. They won't have to leave our church to go to another one if we're doing all that Jesus wants the church, every local church, to be doing. So the, we started uh, on point one of the next thing that Jesus came to do, and that was to serve. He, and I was began to ask and talk about what it means, how, what are some of the things in Scripture that we see are service for God. I covered the first part uh, last when we finished off on that last session, and I said that Jesus came, and we and he and part of his service was prayer, and that we the church need to be praying. Now I don't want to cover that again, so I'm going to move to the second one, uh, part of what it means to serve from a biblical point of view, and we see that praise and worship. Praise and worship are service. Now, while I don't do what most people do and restrict praise and worship to singing and music, I believe that every aspect of our lives, every act uh, has to be worship of uh, worshiping God, uh, praising God, acknowledging His goodness uh, at, at every level of whatever we're doing for God. It needs to be out of worship and adoration and gratitude, thanksgiving for Him. But I'm going to try and make this a little bit more, just for the moment, about singing uh, and uh, music, etc. And 
and say that when we worship as a church, when the church comes together, or when we are alone with God or worshiping, we need to understand that worship isn't about just singing or it isn't just about how well the musicians play or the kind of music that we like. It really is about serving God while we're worshiping, lifting our hearts before God, while we're raising our hands and while we're clapping or dancing or whatever it may be, whether we prostrate on the floor before God, whatever it may be, uh, all of that is to be, to be seen as worship. When we change from just doing what's being reflected or shown on the, inter, on the uh, overhead or whatever the case may be, uh, when we begin to see, hey, I'm, I'm, we here as a church to worship God, our focus has got to be on God. And when we see this is service to God, this is giving God what He's worth, this is us pouring out our lives for Him, that all the rest of what I'm saying really becomes part of uh, that whole thing that we're doing while we're singing and praising God. So uh, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies what a, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Present your bodies, everything about you, your whole life, the, to the totality of your being is to be serving God and when we do this singing and with the music, that's what we've got to be doing. We've got to help our people to move away from just singing songs over and over and over again, uh, bored about it eventually, but to see that we're singing to God in service. Our worship is service. We've got to help the musicians, the, 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 the team, the musicians leader, to actually understand that this isn't just about how long you do this or how short you do it. It's about us connecting with God in worship, adoration, praise, serving Him in those moments. It's all part of service. Moving on quickly then, the third thing is uh, an area that we as leaders need to be uh, understanding about serving God is that all of our preaching, all of our teaching, it has to be service to God, our lives, uh, what we say has to be uh, f we're serving God and what we're not just doing this because I have to or it dem people demanded of me. No, when we do it like that, we just get exhausted. And that's why so many people are burned out. We need to be seeing this as we're, we're serving God while I'm talking to this person. While I'm preaching to you now, I'm serving God. I'm not just preaching because I've got an opportunity to preach. I'm not just preaching because people need to hear what I'm saying under God. I'm preaching because I'm serving God. First and foremost, my preaching, my teaching is serving God. I'm looking at, at, at God and saying, God, this is for you. While I'm, I, I, so I keep my eyes on Him while I'm trying to preach. Trusting Him, serving Him, all of our preaching, our teaching. It's keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. That's what preaching and teaching is. And when we keep in step with the Holy Spirit... And we're getting revelation from the Holy Spirit on what we preach about and what we're teaching. Uh, we can see that then becomes real service to God, not just doing what is expected of us. And so much of what happens in the body of Christ these days seems to me to be, well, I've got to do this. It's expected of me. And uh, so I'll just grin and bear it. I, I want to be one of those who enjoy the preaching. 
I enjoy teaching. I enjoy communicating with God's people what I feel God's saying to His church today. And if it, I don't feel God saying it, then I'm not going to preach it. Because why? I'm not do, doing preaching. I'm serving God. I hope that it, you that you understand that. All right. And then um, moving on. Part of serving God, I wanted to say a couple of other things there, but I better just, even our counsel, uh, uh, talking to people in the streets, all of that needs to be serving God when God gives us opportunities. Moving on to the fourth little part of serving God is also providing for the needy, for the poor, the homeless, the hungry, etc. Uh, we need to see that, that Jesus did that. He went and sought those kind of people. And the the Bible is full of how God feels about the poor and the underprivileged and the homeless and the street kids, etc. And every church, every local church should be involved in doing that. This is part of what Jesus highlighted in his ministry and the Holy Spirit highlights throughout the whole Bible about serving God by doing these things. Um, this is part of what the church has to be doing, providing for the hungry, the orphans, the widows, uh, the prisoners in jail, etc., etc., the unemployed even, their families, etc. And then the next little part for us as leaders now, uh, but it, it includes the people, is that part of serving God is us not only preaching, not only teaching or preparing messages, but it's also to actually pastor the people. And that word pastor has to do with shepherding, it's caring, uh, it's looking after, it's being concerned about, enough to do something about it. To be available when people need to, to have time with us. People need to be able to talk about their hurts and their, the things they're facing. We've got to have a team of elders that are available. And that includes even the visionary to some extent. And no matter how big the church gets, we could never lose our pastor heart. When we stop caring for people... We should get out of ministry until God can bring back into our hearts a love and a care uh, where we want to pastor people again. Uh, uh, anyway, I must move on. Pastoring his flock. Jesus, uh, let me move on. I was going to say a couple of other things there, but I, I must move on. Next thing is, well, uh, to encapsulate this part of serving, it really is partnering with God. So... Uh, Jesus made us co-laborers together with him. We're ambassadors for Christ, the Bible tells us. Uh, we're co-laborers together with Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. We're partnering with him in our evangelism. We're partnering with him in witnessing. You know, there's a great thing about witnessing, sharing our faith. And we need to help our people to see this. I want to read this little word to you from Philemon, or some people say Philemon, this, uh, the verse 6. He says, this is what uh, Paul prays when he uh, writes when he's uh, speaking, uh, communicating with Philemon. He says, "I pray that you may be act, active in sharing your faith." Why? Be active in sharing your faith. That means you sharing your faith. That's what it is to be active, so that you will have a full understanding of everything, every good thing we have in Christ. As you share your faith. It's like the Holy Spirit does something inside of you, showing you, revealing to you, reminding you, bringing back uh, into your consciousness all those things, the good things we have in Christ. When you stop witnessing and sharing, when you're no longer active in your sharing of your faith, it's like it just becomes dormant. 
And God wants it to stir up again, like the stirring up the, the fire that's inside of us, etc. Right. So, in everything we seek to do and be for Him, uh, with Him, we're partners and we're His friends. And He's our friend. All right. The next thing that we come to, what the church should be doing is, uh, that we see in the life of Jesus, He came to sacrifice. Uh, as we read in Matthew 20, 28, he, he didn't come to be served, but He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We know the sacrifice Jesus paid. We think of only the cross, and that was huge. But Jesus sacrificed leaving heaven. Jesus sacrificed his, his deity to become a human being, to be brought up by a mother, a human mother, frail as she was. Jesus sacrificed, even in spending time with the disciples, being misunderstood by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, by people, being uh, attacked and opposed. There was sacrifice in all of that. And Jesus wants us to be willing to pay the same price Then that sacrifice on the cross when he was offered up for our sins. Now, that we can never do. But we have to have that heart in us that says, I'm willing to put myself out, to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to be inconvenienced, to be available etc. Are you with me there? I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I believe with all my heart the Spirit of God is looking for the church to get back to these things. He came to sacrifice. No matter what the cost, he was there. He laid down his life, not only for his friends, he even laid them down for his enemies. And he said this, greater love is no man than that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Wonderful thing. So I'm asking you in Jesus' name, bring to God your time, your talents, your treasures, your trophies, your tragedies. Everything that God you have in your life, let God own it all. Even your triumphs. All right, the next thing quickly, as I look and I see time flying again, he came to send. Jesus came to send, even as he was sent. And he says this in John 17, as you have sent, and this is the 18th verse, he says, as you, speaking to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. In John 20, 21, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Matthew 28, you know what it says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus recognized the call of God on people's lives. John, leave your fishing net. Matthew, leave uh, you being a tax collector. Peter, G James, etc. Leave what you're doing. Follow me. So God wants us, just like Jesus did, to recognize the call of God on people's lives and to then let them be near us, close to us. He spent his life, three, three years, with those disciples, showing them, giving them opportunity to be with him, to question him, giving them opportunities to, to do what he told them to do. And, and that's what God is wanting the church, the leadership, to get back and to be willing to be doing that again. Um, you know, in Matthew 28, he said, teaching them to observe everything that I've told you to do. I've commanded you to do. And part of that is going to the world, part of that is everything I've done. Be an example, follow me. So recognize those people, train them. Don't ask God to help you to move away from lecturing 
to actually train you. Because training equips. It equips. Training brings impartation and revelation to people. That transforms them. So ask God. I want to ask you just, if you would just, I can't do this now, but I'm asking you to read Matthew chapter 10 from verse 5 to 42. Matthew 10, 5 to 42. Read it for yourself and see what I'm talking about. Now, quickly moving on. Jesus also came and spoke of the kingdom, the good news. Jesus spoke the good news. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 says, Jesus said this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God, when Christ is king, then it's good news. It's not just God forgives sinners. It's the good news when you make Christ king. So many people have kind of listened to the preachers. They say they're saved, and, and yet it's not good news to them. They avoid the Bible. They avoid most of Scripture. They just want some of the promises. Somebody once said, God loves his kids too much to let them going, living, living, go on living in sin. Uh, Jesus must be Lord, not just Savior. He has to be Lord. So he spoke, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in, to other towns because this is why I was sent. He said in Matthew 4, 17, when he started out, repent for the kingdom of God is, of heaven is near. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we read these, I think I've quoted it earlier on in one of these messages, but he appeared unto these disciples for 40 days. And what did he do? He spoke about the kingdom, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. He appeared unto these disciples for 40 days, speaking to them about the kingdom of God. The disciples preached the kingdom wherever they went. The book of Acts, you see the church, the early church preaching the kingdom. The rule and reign of Christ. If you want to just read Acts chapter 8 verse 12, Acts chapter 14 verse 22, and Acts chapter 19 verse 8, some examples of them preaching the kingdom. Christ as king and we his subjects. And then not only did he come to speak the kingdom, but the 11th point, uh, little aspect of what Jesus came to do is that he also came to speak or to testify to the truth. In John 18, 37, the Word of God says this, For this I came into the world, this is Jesus speaking, to testify to the truth. You see, a testifier is to be a, is a testimony. It, it's a, with the lips, yes, but it's with a transformed life as well. So our lips and our lives have to testify to the truth. Our preaching, our teaching... Our lifestyle should all point to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But it has to point to him accurately. No falsehood. No deception. No compromise. No self-promotion, etc. In our lives and in the life of the church. Ask God to help us to catch that. Then he came quickly to shine. He said, and this is the twelfth little part of what Jesus came to do. He said, I've come, John 12, 46, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Now, if you believe in Jesus, Jesus says, I'm light. And if you believe in me, you should not stay in darkness. So we testify to the truth. Our lives need to be light. He said in John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, now listen to this, will never walk in darkness. 
If you're following Jesus, you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You can read John 1 verses 3, verse to, uh, 3 through to 9 about that as well. But you see, the scripture actually does say not only that Jesus is the light of the world, but that we also are to be light. He says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Speaking to the disciples, he says in Matthew 5, 15, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, he says, for once... You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as lights. So I have to close with this because of time, and I'll pick up on and give a fourth little short, very short message to finish this, this part off about what we should be doing, that we should be doing what Jesus did. That's what the church should be doing. But God allows trials. He allows tests. He allows opposition, even discouraging situations to come our way, temptations to come our way. Battles of all sorts, God allows those things. Why? Well, first of all, they are opportunities. I'm not saying this is the order of priority, but they are opportunities for us to shine for Him. When people see us going through these times, uh, they can see, hey, these Christians also go through some of these times, but look how they come through it. And secondly, God allows these things to happen in our lives for our own spiritual growth, whom the Lord loves he chastens. He disciplines. So, will you say yes to God? Will you look at the church that you guys are leading in and say, Hey God, we just need to make some changes. Will you help us? We don't want to now try and do all this in our own strength. No, we want to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you so much. And, and, you know, the wonderful thing about God is this. He says, if you then being evil, <clears throat> now I think of myself as a father with my, my sons, even my grandchildren, I'll do just about anything I possibly can that's within my power to help them to be available soon. And he says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts? Or, and another uh, party says, or give the Holy Spirit to them who ask. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. The Father, give us the Holy Spirit so that he may empower us to do these things that Jesus did for Jesus' sake. And God bless you. Thank you, Father. You hear, you love the people that are listening. Bless them. Bless their churches, their families, and every part of everyone's life in Jesus' name. 